you missed the Sunday School time this morning, invite you back next week. A uh, good teen session in there. That was, again, a one-off, and uh, there'll be more to come in the future for that. But uh, Dr. Carver's uh, study in here, uh, again, a lot of folks have been looking forward to that. You didn't miss anything if you're over there, parents, as far as uh, he was kind of giving one of those aerial views. They've been joking uh, with me behind closed doors that imagine it's like pastor starting a new book study. You know you're going to get three weeks of introduction, all right? So his three weeks of introduction just happened in this session. You didn't miss a whole lot, uh, a lot of background info. So uh, again, join us next, next week for that, and that'll be 930. Uh, a lot happening here at CBC. Uh, last weekend was a great uh, missions conference, Missions Emphasis Sunday. It was kind of, a, again, with everything going on in the world today, you just you know, we're, we're, that was an abbreviated, what would normally would have been a weekend conference, and we crammed it all into one day, but it was a great day. I appreciate the support for those of you who were uh, here. Uh, again, thank you so much for that, and um, want to kind of continue forth from that. And I wanted to give a practical talk today, a focus uh, from the scriptures. Why do we even do missions? You know, what, what is this uh, idea about? What, what is the purpose? What's the point? And so today, we're going to talk about the Great Commission. Again, this is the Lord's instruction. This is His plan for His church. And we want to be obedient to that plan. And so today, we're going to look at this topic a little more in depth and if time allows, and, and it may not, we'll see how far we get. Uh, I want to give you our, uh, a look into our practical playbook. Okay, a lot of you folks don't realize, and, and, and this was brought to my attention recently, when you've been somewhere for 12 years, uh, as the Varners have been here for 12 years now, sometimes you just take for granted that the people know. And uh, I, I appreciate this past year, November, uh, planning uh, for this year, sitting with the men. Uh, I, I, again, I assumed a lot of these men understood our philosophy for missions. I mean, after all, we've been teaching this for 12 years. But I took for granted that we understand. And so what I want to hopefully do is explain to you, we actually have a plan, guys. There's a philosophy that's been in play for almost 12 years now, but I realize there's a lot of new... Uh, new. By the way, how many of you, raise your hand, show hands, if you've come to us within the past 10 years? Raise your hand high. Don't be shy. Yeah. So almost half of you are, are new to us. So again, I hope to be able to kind of lay this out because it helps you to understand. Now, let me just say this right out of the gate. This is outside my comfort zone, okay? You guys know how I, I believe we go into a book study... And the Word of God is our authority base, and, and, and we just need to exegetically teach through the Scriptures. All right? I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of the topical. And yet, over and over again, God keeps putting me in this position to do a topical. So He's working on me. So, so you guys pray for me in this. Um, because it is important. It is important that we take these subjects that are obviously at the center of Scripture, the Great Commission, reaching the world for Christ and helping put some skin and bones onto that, uh, uh, put, some, put some muscle onto that skeleton, if you will. And so that's what I kind of hope to do today, an explanation to you. So I realize a lot of this, if we get into that section, the practical side of it, may not be your typical Sunday morning message, but where else are you going to hear it? If I don't do it here, you're not going to show up to the Sunday night meeting, right? Because we don't have one. Um, but 
you know, if we do it on a, a special, I just, it's just the reality of it. So I want to give you what we can give you in this time that we have together. With that said, uh, let's look, if you would, at the Word of God this morning as we begin in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And if you see on the screen, this should be in the uh, ESV. Um, but uh, read along in your copy of God's Word. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, I pray this morning that you will be lifted high. Lord, I pray you will be our teacher, that the Holy Spirit will lead us in understanding of these words that you left to be carried out by your church. And Lord, we are your church. We are your bride. We are your people. And so you've given us this great responsibility. Help us to understand it. Help us to apply it. And Lord, help us to see how we at Community Baptist Church can implement your plan to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, and to the end of the earth. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to start by breaking down the Great Commission. And we're going to start with the who. Uh, no, not the music group, for those of you uh, from the 70s. Um, who did this plan, who was this plan made for? It was for the church. It was for the believer. You know, I just realized I drank somebody else's water because this one was warm. But anyway, we'll put that one on the bottom shelf. Yeah. Anyway. There we go. Hey, it's only COVID, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the local church. Christ desires for His work to be done today through you. Guys, this is something, a, a, a teaching, a doctrine that's so lost in, in, in this generation, I'm afraid. People do not see the local gathering of believers the way Christ sees it. And it's through his pages of the New Testament. Oh, every letter, what's it written, what is, where's it written to? It's written to a local group of believers. The church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, right? The, the church at Colossae. These are churches. The church at Community Baptist Church, the church of LaGrange, right? Now, again, there would be a group of believers in that city, and that letter might be circulated. So if it was the church of LaGrange, no, we're not the only one that holds the truth in this town, though we're finding far and few guys in society today, there's very few churches that actually hold, uphold the authority of God's Word. And so when we look at what God entrusted, He entrusted this truth, and we're to earnestly contend for the faith that's been once and for all delivered to the saints, and this great commission of going and reaching the world with the good news rest with you. It's not resting with our government. It, it, it's not resting with your neighbor. It rests with you. 
You are the called out church. You are the called out believer. You're the bride of Christ. And so when Christ uh, mentions this and he leaves his disciples with this, this instruction, he reminds them that all authority has been given to him in both heaven and earth. And so he wants you to know that, church, because you don't go alone. He promised he'll never leave you and he will never forsake you. I know it can be a scary thing sometimes to step out on faith and actually make yourself vulnerable and begin to engage a stranger with the gospel. To talk to that neighbor, that coworker, or that family member, to share with them the life-changing message of Christ. That can be scary. That can be intimidating. But he wants you to know he has not abandoned you and you will not do it in your strength. That's why, you know, hey, we're, we're all for some, some marketing ideas that, that will put our name out there. But guys, that's not what's going to reach the world, a new marketing scheme. What's going to reach the world is sold-out believers committed to the cause of Christ who are willing to present their bodies a living sacrifice daily and weekly for the cause of Christ. Amen. And so that's who he's called. He's called you to bring out the uh, great Uh, the good news of Christ. We are the ones who've been entrusted to do this. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says this, For just as the body is one and has many members. Okay, community back, we're one. We have many members. And all the members of the body... Oh, wait a minute, all? Does that mean every one of you who are part of this... Body? I think all means all. And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. And let me just say, this is why unity at community is vital. Guys, we have to guard our hearts because this... Be warned, be careful splintering off part of the body and collecting over here a little cell of, of, of side Christians that are in their little circle, my four and no more. We need to be careful. We're one. And there's one head, one Lord, one Father of all, right? And so we need to be careful. And so he says here, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. You see, guys, this was God's plan collectively to put us together. And it's His plan that we're here at Community Baptist Church in LaGrange, North Carolina. You're here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. He's gifted each and every one of us differently. And because you're gifted in one way and that's the direction that you're called to, don't fault your brother or sister because they're not gifted how you're gifted or they don't think like you think or they don't move like you move. Again, recognize what position they play on the team. We we talked about this before. Alignment is big. Alignment is big for a reason, (laughs) right? So that little 5'11 guy that's a tree stump that gets the handoff, he sees that wide hole because that's a big dude up in front of me. And he's clearing the way so I can run through untouched, hopefully, right? 
I promise you that lineman doesn't have the skill set to run like that running back does, but that's not his position. That's not his responsibility. The wide receiver doesn't function like the quarterback. And by the way, if we get in the huddle and all of you want to start calling the play, we got confusion. There's one owner of the team. There's one head coach. There's one quarterback. But don't think that your position, be it water boy, all right, isn't important. Look at those teams that go into OT. And every time there's a timeout and they're taking a knee, they can't, you know, because that guy's out there doing this. And they're all wanting to squirt, right? We all got a part to play, guys. And, and as members in the Scripture goes on, read this in its context. Don't take my word for it. Read what God's Word says. Every part is needed. Church, every one of you is needed. Every one of you. But we've got to choose to operate as a team. We've got to choose to be on board. And by the way, the owner of the team has given us the play. we just got to implement it. He said, go therefore, go into the world, reach people. Great Sunday school. I sat in on uh, Brother Mark's class out here. And again, he talked about how the Lord just seamlessly puts these things together because we, did, we didn't prepare notes together. But he talked on the Great Commission and the importance of parents making disciples. You've got disciples in your home. It's your children. And every parent, we have a responsibility. That's, that's our responsibility to raise those children. Now, he's going to help assist you, right, to help raise them in the truth. The church is here to help you, families, right, in, in, in that discipling. And that's what we, we do. Do you realize every time that's, that's intentional when we gather together? It doesn't have to be called discipleship class, though we do one of those on Monday nights. But it doesn't have to be called that. You know, Sunday school, that's the discipleship time. This right here that's taking place today, this is a, this is a discipleship time. We are teaching you what the scriptures have taught us and we're pouring that into you and your lives. The ladies ministry, when they gather together, it's centered around the word of God. They are investing in each other's lives. They are doing life together. Okay, That's what that passage, again, the, when you go, therefore, as you, in other words, as you go and do life, when you just live your life, live it together with the intention of investing each other for the cause of Christ. And so that's what we do. And so our ministries here, whether they be the children's ministries, the ladies' ministry, the men's ministry, great men's prayer breakfast today. Good start. If you weren't able to make it, catch the next one. Good stuff. God's doing some good things here. And so, again, this is part of our mission, church. We all have a part to play. Now, you notice this little chart here. And this is a, a, a good little chart. Let's see if I can get my laser beam to work. There we go. All right, so here's the local church. Again, what's at the center of the hub? The local church. Our lives may come to a shock to some of you. This is not some traditional view. This is not some kind of archaic or, or legalistic view. This is God's view. The local church should be the center hub of our life. It should be the center hub of our life because, again, this world's passing away. God's word will never pass away. Ultimately, eyes on eternity. You know what's going to matter? Eternal relationships, internal investments, the things that are done for the cause of Christ. And again, he set it up this way. This isn't Jeremy's plan. This is God's plan. And so in the local church, when it comes to local church, um, we want to bring in new believers, right? So, so that implies, again, that you're going out as you're doing life, you're, you're reaching people for Christ. 
That's not just the pastor's responsibility. That's not just a visitation group. That's you doing life, living out your faith. And so you reach people, you win people to Christ. And maybe God just uses you to invite people. So they do hear the gospel and their lives are saved. Their lives are transformed. But we, we bring in new believers, all right? Hopefully, again, if they're not, they get, they get converted. They become believers. So a new or untaught uh, believer, right? They, they get the Word of God. They start to be taught. Then they become grounded in the foundational truths of God's Word. Again, that's what we do here. Our desire is to get you grounded in the basic fundamentals of the faith. A, a, just a foundational understanding of what God's words, what Word teaches. That continues through, through, again, through being discipled. We're pouring into you. And the more like a newborn babe that desires the milk of the Word, they begin to grow. They begin to get stronger. They move from just, you know, pooping their pants and crying all the time to actually, you know, crawling and eventually walking and then a running. And then they get stronger, right? That's the idea of discipleship. So that it leads to us as believers becoming mature believers. And see, the church is in desperate need of mature believers. Because what I found is when we're mature, we don't act like kids. When we're mature, we don't let differences offend us to the point of division. When we're mature, we don't let things that people say about drinking Pepsi really truly offend us, right? I mean, though that is kind of borderline. I agree, it could be blasphemous, but you know what I'm saying. But again, maturing believers are stronger in their relationship. Serving the church and reaching the unsaved. You see, because as a mature believer, I desire to do what pleases my Heavenly Father. I recognize that His plan, His marching orders, His great commission uh, enlists me into His service. And so I want to serve Him. Not out of duty, but out of devotion, out of a love for Christ. I want to serve Him. And so therefore, where can I plug in? Preacher, what can I do to help around here? Hey, what can I do, deacon, to get involved? I want to help. I want to, I want to, you know. And so we begin to plug in and utilize our spiritual gifts instead of just sitting on the sideline as a fan, eating nachos and get, getting you know, spiritually fat, right? We're exercising our faith. We're getting involved. And so we serve the church and, and, and reaching the unsaved. And then guess what that does? It makes converts. And then those new believers come back into the local church, and it continues. The local church is important. That's God's plan. And church, this is what He's commissioned us to do. So we looked at the who of the Great Commission. The what? The what? The what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of God's grace. You and I are helpless, dead in our trespasses and sin, can do nothing apart from the grace of God. If God does not interrupt time and send His only begotten Son, you and I are dead in our sins. We're in desperate need of salvation. And yet the world around us is full of dead men walking. It's blind men. You know, and I've often said this, that, you know, when a blind man steps on your foot, you you don't knock him down. Get off me, man. No. He didn't see. You understand he doesn't see. And because you understand he doesn't see where he's going, his stepping on your foot doesn't 
bother you. You actually feel kind of sorry for him that he's bumping into these things and bumping into you and knocking things over because he doesn't see. Because if he clearly could see, he wouldn't be doing that, right? Guys, how desperately does the church need to see today that we've got a lost world around us that's acting like lost people? Now, the world's talking about a wokeness that's actually a wokeness to blindness. The church is the only one who has the real message of being awakened, and it's through the Holy Spirit of God, the glorious light of the gospel. And unless the glorious light of the gospel should penetrate the heart, the little G God of this world has blinded their mind. They won't see what you see. So a political argument doesn't win them to Christ. The gospel wins them to Christ. The gospel is the seed. We talked about planting seed this morning. Great devotion from, from Pridgen this morning in our men's breakfast. Everything that's going to be brought forth from the soil is already in the seed. And you and I are sowing the seed of God's word. And everything we need for life and godliness, and everything therein, is contained in the gospel. And so when that gospel opens the eyes, the lost man begins to see. And all these things that you and I rightfully are upset about become understood. But they're not understood apart from the glorious light of the gospel. So why spend all of our effort and time trying to get a blind man to see something he's never going to see? Why try to spend all of our effort and time trying to get a, a, a dead man to be alive when he can't be alive apart from the grace of God? And yet God's deposited that seed in you and me. He's given you and I a handful of seed to go out and sow. Now I held off and Josh had his moment this morning, so I'm going to take it, take it now. I said, man, I need a, I need like, and I wish I'd had a picture up here of it. I said, I need one of them big old farming spreaders, you know. Not, not the kind that spreads manure. All right, there's enough of that being spread in the world. But one of those that spreads seed. And, and this is what made me think of it. Because one day my family and I were the kids. I was taking them to town and we're going up uh, 70. And I look out across this field and there's this huge dust cloud just everywhere. And I look and there's this ginormous piece of equipment, uh, farming equipment. I mean, it was huge. And, and there's this, this huge dust. And what I noticed was it had these things just to spin and all over the back, and it was throwing seed everywhere. And it just hit me. I said, kids, look at that. Look at that. Check that out. I said, that guy, he, he, there's not a, a rhythm or rhyme in that. The only rhythm or rhyme is he's trying to throw out as much seed as he can throw out because he knows some of it's not going to take. But he knows some of it is. And so his responsibility is to get as much seed spread as possible. And I said, kids, we need to spread as much seed as possible. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Don't worry about whether or not they receive it. That's not up to you. But our responsibility is to spread it. And so Josh talked about this morning, did a great job in talking about planting the seed of God's Word. And guys, if we'll get our focus back as a, as a church on the Great Commission, reach your neighbor for Christ. Reach your coworker. 
Reach that person that God puts in your path. Because I'm going to tell you, one soul can make an eternal difference. Amen? You don't believe me? What if your one soul had not been reached with the gospel? You think that would have been pretty important? Yeah. The fact is, God has a field that's ripe for harvest. It's the laborers that are few. Christ said that. I'm going to believe Him. And so what I want us to be, Community Baptist Church, is a church that's refocused on the Great Commission, understanding the who, the local church. It's going to happen. It's going to happen through us, in us, and through us. That's His plan. It, 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 the what is going to be the gospel. The seed that you and I are going to be sowing, it's not going to be our opinions. It's not going to be what we think is best. It's going to be the unadulterated seed of the gospel. That's what we must spread. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For by grace you have been saved. I'll let that just sink in for a second. It's grace. Unmerited favor. You and I did nothing. God did everything. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's plan. This is His plan before the foundation of the earth. So you and I are not going to improve on His plan. This is His plan. Salvation, as we've been learning in Philippians, has been worked into you and me. Right? By faith, we receive Christ. And to as many as receive Him, to them He gives the right to become the children of God. But we've been learning that He worked in salvation and He expects us to work out our salvation. And, and this Ephesians passage continues that thought. It says that, look, this has been, your salvation has been worked into you. Now work it out. We don't work to salvation. We work from salvation. Right? So, so again, this is part of our marching orders. This is part of God's plan, the Great Commission. We need to work forth from the salvation that you and I have been gifted with. That's entrusted to us. So the win. Again, last week's theme was day-to-day -day missions. And, and uh, we looked at the, the passage uh, in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 16, 23 and 24. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. You see, the gospel isn't just an American message. The gospel is a message to all the nations. The gospel transcends any kingdom alliance that you and I have. The gospel is what the world desperately needs. And you and I possess that. We have that. We carry that seed. And we need to be spreading it. Who remembers these? Easter's coming up. Whoop, whoop. 
you, I, I feel sorry for the younger generation. They will never know the joy of seeing that yearly commercial. Thank you, Easter Bunny. Bark, bark. Y'all remember that? Come on, some of you got to remember that. Some of them nod their heads. All of them like my age and up, you know. Oh, I used to love these. Man, my, my you know, again, I grew up in a pagan home. Um, I'm just kidding. Mom, I love you. She's watching this morning. She's not going to like that one. But the truth is, you know, Easter was sent around, oh, get our baskets, you know. And again, don't get me wrong. I was happy to get the basket, you know, full of goodies. And if you get baskets, nothing wrong with that. I ain't preaching against baskets. In fact, if you want to leave some in Pastor Mark's office, I'm just kidding. Um, but I used to love getting these, the, the chocolate bunnies and the eggs, right? Hey, there's fun in that. Have fun with that, guys. Nobody's, again, nobody's talking against that. Did you know that the originator of, of these um, Cadbury, do you know the story behind these? I didn't, and I came across this. Maybe I was kind of hungry one day. But anyway, listen to this story. Um, I, I want to see if I can pull up. Whoop, let's go back. All right. There's a lady by the name of Helen Cadbury. Now, Helen is the granddaughter of the founder of the chocolate dynasty, the Cadbury's, okay? And uh, the Cadbury's were strong believers, uh, and in fact, they, they would often uh, take... Um, they, were, they were good philanthropists. They were doing great things to, to reach the nations for the cause of Christ. And so uh, her dad, obviously, Helen's dad, had taken over the family business... And one day, as a 12-year-old little girl, he took her to one of these, um, I guess for lack of better words, a, a revival-type service, um, and, and, and went there and took her. Well, during that presentation of the gospel, even though she had grown up in a Christian home, she realized she was not a believer. She needed to be born again. And so she responded to the invitation, went forward and gave her life to Christ. Now, oftentimes that's where we park out as believers. Hey, uh, yeah, I did that thing. Oof. Be careful. Let's examine ourselves, right? Well, she knew her life was changing and she knew it wasn't enough to stay on the sidelines. So I want you to hear her story. More than 120 years ago in Birmingham, England, a young 12-year-old girl named Helen Cadbury discovered the power of Scripture. After becoming a believer during a revival service, she began to carry her family Bible to school, sharing her faith with classmates. So just imagine that. I don't know about you, but my family Bible, we used to keep on the coffee table. You That thing was huge, man. Those things were like big. I mean, I felt like Moses opening that up. And then there was ten... Anyway... And so she's carrying this big 12-year-old girl carrying this huge Bible to school, sharing her faith with classmates. Since the Bible was heavy, Helen soon asked her father, president of Cadbury Chocolate Company, to print Scripture on his printing press. This allowed her to be equipped with a lighter and smaller Scripture passages. So he began to print these little pamphlets off of his printing press to give to her so she would have a smaller copy of the Scriptures to carry with her to school. 
Helen, 12 years old, I remind you, organized a group of girls to sew pockets into their dresses, allowing them to easily carry the Word of God with them. They were united with the simple pledge, read a portion of Scripture daily, carry it at all times, and share their faith with others. That's a pretty simplistic pledge, isn't it? But think about how powerful of an impact. Carry this Scripture in your pocket that they had sewn into their dresses, read a portion of Scripture daily, carry it at all times, and share your faith with others. Now, in our 20s, we learned about this in Sunday school again today, reminded of this, a lot of times people kind of go away from the faith. When they get out of church, they get away from, you know, kind of get into those college years. Well, she was no different. She kind of went away for a little while. However, God in His providence called her back. And so after receiving a a university education, Helen met Charles M. Alexander. Charles traveled as a gospel singer with evangelist R.A. Torrey. Charles and Helen realized they shared a zeal to get God's Word into people's hearts. They married in 1904. Handing out Bibles was a common practice in the meetings in which Charles ministered. He challenged those attending the services to carry a New Testament in their pocket and to read at least one chapter per day. Helen recalled her school days in the the title, quote, The Pocket Testament League. They chose that name for their Bible distribution plan. The Pocket Testament. Testament League. So, the League became officially organized in 1908. The year of Alexander's uh, began a worldwide... That that was the year that he began a worldwide evangelistic tour with Wilbur J. Chapman. They created a pledge card for those willing to carry a testament and read it every day. People in nations around the world have signed the cards. Through the decades, the Pocket Testament League has touched millions of lives. In World War I, military chaplains used the pocket-sized testaments. During World War II, during the Great Depression, uh, uh, the New Testament showed up in YMCAs and CCC camps. The League had distributed Bibles at numerous Olympics, even just in recent years back to the um, Hurricane Katrina. They distributed Bibles there and offered special editions for various other occasions. But probably the most celebrated testimony is that of Mitsuo Fuchida. We'll say it that way, right? The Japanese pilot who led the attack on Pearl Harbor. In 1950, he received a gospel tract at a pocket Testament League service in Tokyo, which eventually led to his salvation. His first U.S. testimony was given at a Billy Graham crusade. Now guys, did you follow this story? Twelve-year-old girl gives her life to Christ. And it so burns within her heart to want to do something, to share this faith with those around her. That she didn't sit by idle. She did something. Something as simple as sewing pockets onto her dress and getting her friends to do the same. Hey, why don't we start a a Bible club, if you will? We'll call it the New Testament League. And, And 
my dad has a printing press. I can get him to print small size Bibles so it'll go in our pockets. And we'll agree. Read a chapter every day and then every day share your faith with somebody. And how God has used that over the years. I don't know about you, but I'm going to eat that nice piece of chocolate a little different next time <laughs> while I drink my Coke. Anyway. <laughs> this is God's plan. And it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, God desires to work through His local church to spread the good news of Christ. The where. Uh, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Guys, you want to know where we're supposed to be doing that? It's here. Again, we understand this passage. When it talks about Jerusalem, that's our hometown. Where does God expect Community Baptist Church to share this? LaGrange. We need to be making an impact here in our own community with the gospel. And I'm thankful that we do, and we are, and there's things in the future that we have prayerful plans for. And guys, I'm telling you, please, please, please pray. We're on the verge of some serious opportunity in the way of sharing the gospel. As you know, we, we're producing this field of dreams. It's becoming a field of reality. And if there's a common denominator, it does not matter who you are, it doesn't matter what church you go to, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, it doesn't matter your political persuasion, there's one thing that every young person enjoys. It's gathering with their friends. And in this case, for those athletes that want to come out, and by the way, our sports league, you don't even have to be an athlete because um, we have flag football, we have soccer coming, and it's going to be for youth. Give these kids something to do in this community. Give these kids a place to gather. And you know what? You can go anywhere around, and, and we know because we've got people in our own midst that travel all over the globe to take their families to play sports. I'm not against sports, just like I'm not against Cadbury candy. But guys, we've got to be intentional. And we've got an opportunity to be intentional with the gospel out here on this field to share the good news of Christ. And so that's just one phase of, of, again, what's in store for this community. And, and I, I long for the day and pray for the day when, just like I can drive by other fields and see on Saturdays, I mean hundreds. If you've gone out to some of these massive fields, I mean they've got multiple upon multiple upon multiple sporting events happening every weekend that's pulling our families away from the local gathering. You don't think that's intentional? The enemy of their soul is intentionally doing that. Again, I'm not against these things as far as the event, but it's not about the event. Our battle is not flesh and blood. It's spiritual, it's spiritual forces on high. It's wickedness. And they're, 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 the desire of the enemy is to keep your children's mind blinded. And so those kids will grow up on those fields and never hear the gospel. But by God's grace, if we're able to do it, the kids that grow up on this field will hear the gospel. And if they go on to pursue these other leagues and continue to be... That's fine. They will have the seed of the gospel planted in their heart and maybe they won't be sewing it into their dresses, but maybe they'll be sewing it into their soccer socks. You know? Hey, just kick that score. Here's a little pamphlet for you. I don't know. 
we got to penetrate the culture, not hide from it. Do you hear me, church? We can't hide and retreat from it. we got to penetrate it. And we have the tools to do so. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to us. So let's go forth as God has commanded. So our hometown, again, that's just one of many methods that we're imploring to reach our community. That just happens to be the one on the front burner, by the way. Our own culture, Judea. Again, we all kind of come from our own culture. We all got our little segment of influence, our own little group of peoples that we're a part of. And God has you a part of that, not me. He has you there because that's the culture that you operate in. Again, that's where you need to be taking the gospel. We also see that um, the nearby culture, that would be Samaria... And again, I'm not, I'm not expounding on these terms in Scripture because we've done this before. We've been through this passage many times. Uh, but again, I think, it, just look at the maps in the back of your book. You, you're, you're good. You can understand that, that what was going on here, and we've talked about it before. But our Samaria, that's a nearby culture. Let me put it in, in Lagrangian terms. That's Pink Hill. I mean, you know, whatever. That's, uh, you know, that's Pikeville. That's, we got some snow hill in the house, so I won't, I won't refer, you know, won't, 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 We've got representation there, so we'll, that's good. But we want to talk about those nearby cultures, right? But Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth, that's where Jesus is not known. And that's part of what we did last weekend when we have our missionaries come in. And by the way, all the missionaries we support, and we're going to look at those names here in just a second. Guys, we're going into the areas where Jesus is not known. And we can't do that apart from your partnership. We can't do that apart from your prayers. We can't do that apart from your financial support for those guys on the front line. And I pray some of you will go yourself. I pray the Lord will raise up uh, some future young 12-year-olds and, 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 and some of our kids that, that, and even maybe some of you older ones. I mean, ask Dean and Bobby. They took the mission field. I won't ask what age they took it, but, you know, Dean, you could probably tell us, right? <laughs> hey, guys, you're never too young. You're never too old. To do what God calls you to do. And he's called us to the where? The Jerusalem, the Judea, and the ends of the earth. And we must take the gospel. And then the why. Why? Why, pastor? We're commanded. We're commanded. Now, I know some of you have been in the military. And when you're given a command, a direct command, you don't go against that command. If you do, there's consequences. Right? Guys, we're enlisted as soldiers. This is scriptural language. Okay? We're in the Lord's army. He's commanded us. But it's not necessarily out of a duty, though sometimes that's why we do what we do, right? That's just, if we're going to be real, sometimes those marching orders don't make sense to us, but we're going to obey them. But ultimately, our desire would be that we do those out of love, that we recognize who Christ is and what He's done for us. Why would I not be willing to surrender my life in service to Him? Matthew, again, look at this, 28, 16 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. It's not optional. That's a command. He said, go. 
All authority has been given. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not optional, guys. You don't have the option as a Christian to sit on the sideline. You don't have an option to come to church and just sit on a pew and not be involved. Christ has called us all to be in the game. He's given us all a place to play. You have a position that you're called to feel, and if you're not feeling it, the team is not going to be Super Bowl worthy. I promise you. Just ask the Panthers, right? I mean, anyway. Behold, I'm with you always. You're not doing this in your strength. But preacher, I don't know. I don't. Listen, just surrender. He'll give you the ability. He'll give you the no. Trust and obey. He's the one who's doing the equipping. He who's become the good work in you, he will complete it. How? Obedient faith. Obedient faith that flows from love. Do you love your Savior? Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you really love Him? When you think about what He's done for you and what He's given for you, the fact that He's taken you from death to life, from pulled you out of darkness into light, so that you do now see. Before we were blind, and now I see. I can't unknow what I know. I wouldn't want to. And for him to know to do right and doesn't do it, that's sin. That's what Scripture says. Guys, if I know something, I, can't know, I can no longer suppress that truth in unrighteousness. I recognize the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And that's not discriminatory. The Jew, the Greek. And so we want to do this through obedient faith. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. By the way, those commandments won't be burdensome. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who work and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, take upon you my yoke. My yoke's light. And guys, when we do come to Christ and it's just a complete, I give up, I surrender. God, I want to live for you. I want to do things your way. I, I just want to, I, I want to love you. I, I want to love you biblically. Those commandments that he lays out before us, they're not, we don't see them as rules, right? Too often times in churches, we've raised our kids and, and, and people to think it's about rule keeping. I'm sorry, if you, if you grew up in, in thinking that it's about keeping the rules, that's just, I'm sorry for that poor representation. Um, none of us can keep the rules. We're all rule breakers, <laughs> you know? How do you keep the rules when at your heart you're a rule breaker? And so the, the Word of God shows you and me we're, we're rule breakers. And, and therefore, I need a Savior. And so when I meet that Savior and that Savior opens my eyes to the truth and He transforms my heart through the glorious light of the gospel, wow, I want to I live for that. I, I, I want to I I be surrendered to that. I don't look at those guardrails in the mountains when me and my wife go up to, to Asheville, and, you know, and I won't look at those uh, guardrails when we go to the Tennessee wedding up in the mountains. Uh, I don't look at those guardrails and say, ah, oh, stupid guardrails. 
Why do they got to have these guardrails in place? They just want to control me. Blasted guardrails. No, you don't do that. If you do, please come see me, all right? Because we think they got medicine for that. But anyway. No, we recognize those barriers are there. They serve a purpose. They're a protection, right, for those that are on the roadway. And so, guys, again, our understanding of these commandments, uh, it, it, our, our perspective shifts when we see it the way God sees it, right, instead of the way man sees it. So ask God to help you see His commands from the loving eye in which He puts it forth. It's that we might have life and have it abundantly, but again, you can't find that apart from Christ. It's only in Christ that we can experience that. So what does this mean? For CBC. Many are asking, what does this mean for CBC? Hey, that's good. Y'all are good at that. Well, practically speaking, um, this is what it looks like. How can I be a part? It starts with local missions. Okay? Um, I tell you what, Junior, let me go back. Can you pull up that slide for me? I, I told him, be ready for this because I wasn't sure, but I wanted to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in this. Uh, if you could pull up that other one. Now, let me just tell you, this is not going to be an aesthetic, pretty presentation. Mark, if you wondered why I was on my phone in your Sunday school class, this was why. Okay, I, was, I wasn't texting my friends. Um, so I have no idea how this is even going to look up on the screen. But practically speaking at Community Baptist Church, I started this message by, by explaining to you that we actually have a, a philosophy of ministry. Now, this little pamphlet, and I'm going to make this available. I'm going to email this out to you so everybody has a copy of it. So then you're all without excuse, right? You, you will know. Now, you may not understand my, my jargon. That's why I'm going to try and explain it right here. But this is what we operate by and have operated by for almost 10 years in this church. Okay, I began formulating this in my first couple of years here uh, through some trials and some errors and some things that we were seeing happening with missions. And, and so uh, God really prompted me to get something together. The mission support information, and some of you are familiar with this. If you've gone on a short-term missions trip, by the way, raise your hand if you've been on a short-term missions trip with community or, 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 or on your own somewhere else. Raise your hand. Excellent. Okay. Get involved, guys. When we have these opportunities, get involved. You'll understand missions. So this is something that we, we present uh, in, in the recent go-round. We, we, if you're part of the missions trip, you will be a part of the mission support team. You don't have to go on a mission trip to be a part of our mission support team. If you want to be a part of our mission support team, please let me know. Because I'd love nothing more than to plug you in. Randy, and I'm looking forward to her being back with us, but Randy Stroud, she has done our Minute for Missions. She is the one who stuck with the mission support team. And now she's our kind of head representative of contact with all of our missionaries. Okay, she reaches out all the time, gets updates, gets information. They make these cool little videos. She stands up here when she was uh, with us and looking forward to her being back with us and standing up here again, giving those Minute for Mission updates. But this is where this is, comes from. So you've got this mission support team, and I knew you weren't going to be able to see that, so I'm going to read it for you. Mission support team, scriptural foundation. Again, everything we do here at this church, know this, number one. It's going to come forth from a biblical principle. Because it's not worth doing if it's not got a biblical foundation. So, to fulfill the great commission of Jesus Christ, the command to send harvesters, Luke 10.2, to proclaim and glorify God to the world, 1 Peter 2.9, to fulfill the believer's personal responsibility. 
That's in Acts 1.8. We just read that a while ago. Romans 1.14-16. That is our responsibility. Then you see the mission support team policies. Uh, the team will meet monthly to get updates on current missionary status and needs. The team will plan and coordinate short-term mission trips with the pastors. The team will visit or, or the team will assist in the planning and coordination of missions fundraising projects. The team will assist the pastors to organize the annual missions conference. So again, if you're part of the mission support team this past weekend, you have a seat at the table in the ideas and the planning of what we do. Um, the team will communicate and pray regularly with supported missionaries and agencies. The team will maintain files and database of current missionaries as well as potential new ventures and projects for future mission support. Can I just tell you, you know how you get junk mail at the house and it just piles up? I don't mean this ugly. The church, the church gets a lot of mail. I'm not saying it's junk mail. I'm getting a lot of mail from missionaries. I get a lot of emails. Guys, there's no way we can support all the missions that come knocking on our door. So there has to be a vetting. There has to be a sorting. And so part of what the mission support team does, we have a yes file, a no file, and a maybe file. And so we go through this, and if it's, and I'll show you what this means. So we have this adopted missionary form. This is in your, in your uh, uh, bulletin. We're going to look at that here in just a second. Um, but here's our zone. So when missionary uh, information comes in, look at this. Our map is zone. Zone 1, zone 2, zone 3, zone 4, zone 5, zone 6, zone 7, zone 8. And so we actually know where our missionaries are represented. If I need, I got no, let's just say I have nobody in zone 7. Well, when I start getting all this missionary information coming in, I've got five in zone one. I don't need any new missionaries in zone one. I need somebody over in, in zone seven, right? Oh, look, here's a letter from somebody that's going to be going to zone seven. That goes in the yes file. You see, we have a plan. And this is important because God has said we need to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the other ends of the earth. And so we have a plan for this. Here's all of our missionaries that we're supporting currently. And you notice over here on the side, uh, I have them zones, zone 2, zone 3, zone 4. So we see which zones uh, we have the most in. Zone 1 has the most. But we see where we're lacking. I currently do not have anyone in zone 8. So where do you think we want to look to try and partner with somebody? Zone 8. And so, again, this is, this is something that we do and we need to do um, with a plan. And again, this plan based on God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. So uh, the annual missions conference, uh, by the way, that, that top section, uh, we kind of went through that recently. But look at the year. This is, how, this is how we go about it. There's four tiers in our plan. Year one, support of mission agencies. So year one, when we do our missions conference, we bring in like our Wayne Christian. Uh, we just, again, recently uh, taken on partnership up in uh, Goldsboro Wayne Pregnancy Center. So, you know, we'll invite them to come in on year one. We'll, we'll have our agencies, Carolina University, some of the, you know, Durham Rescue Mission. We'll extend invites to some of them to come in on year one uh, missions conference. Year two currently supported missionaries. And so we invite some of our currently supported missionaries to come in year two. Year three, combined missionaries and supported agencies, because obviously we can't get everybody here in those two years, so we try to give another option for, for folks to come in during that year. And then year four is when we invite new missionaries. Because again, I am constantly collecting new mission applications, new mission applications, new mission applications. And the goal here, I'll move to the next slide, 
is so that financially we can continue to support and give them a raise. I have heard from countless missionaries, preacher, I was on the field for 17 years and everyone's got a raise. Can you imagine your job never getting a raise for 17 years? That's some serious dedication. You must love that job, right? And they do. And that's why they stay with it, because they love Christ. But guys, I don't want to be that church. We want to be the third John church. We want to be that Gaius who shows hospitality, who shows strong support for missions. We want to be that church that is able to, as God blesses us, to give them that blessing. Because that's all we are, is a conduit of His grace, that we might be a blessing to others. He blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. And so... Tier 1, missionaries from CBC. Missionaries we've supported for 15 plus years, they get the first raise. Right? Because they've proven themselves faithful. They get the first raise. Tier 2, in year 2, missionaries supported by CBC from 9 to 14 years, they get the next raise. Tier 3, missionaries supported by CBC from 4 to 9 years, they get the raise. And then again, that fourth group, because every four years we're looking at new missions, new missions, missions work, special projects, etc. We look to bring them on for financial support. Supported missionaries divided by tiers. And there's what it looks like in practical sense. We have a, 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 we know who's in line. Now let me just say, guys, we've not been able to operate this philosophy. And that breaks my heart. It's not that we don't have a good plan. It's just that we don't have the partnership. We've just not been able to do because financially we've just not made our goals. Now, I'm thankful... That's been turning around the past couple of years. And praise God, you guys responded last week. We had a wonderful offering last week for our missions. Just look in your bulletin, it's in there. But you see, we constantly put before you what our weekly need is. We put constantly before you what our monthly need is. We put constantly before you what our yearly need is. And my goal, our goal, as we shared last week, and we made a great start, and I want to encourage you to keep up the good work, we want to get three to six months fully funded emergency fund for our missionaries. Six months fully funded emergency fund that will free us to do so much in the way of missions because that will no longer be a pressure. And imagine you're a missionary. Imagine you're a missionary out there on the front line in some country that hates you because of your stand for the gospel. And you've got COVID happening back home and you've got small churches that are not meeting and not able to make the budgets and they're folding and, and you're losing support. But to have one church say to you, hey, we're following some hard times right now, but just know we got a six-month fully funded emergency fund. You keep serving Christ. We're going to keep sending you the support you need. And I, and I learned this because the church that uh, we came out of um, uh, actually was birthed out of another church, and that church started a Christian school. And that, that church that started that Christian school, the church ended up closing its doors. The school's still operating today, but the church ended up shutting its doors. They supported almost 30 missionaries how many do you think they're supporting now? And so the doors closed. Now, how nice it would have been instead of writing a letter, hey, our doors are closed, we can't send you any more support. Oh, to be able to say, our doors have closed, but you're secure for the next six months. Again, we need a plan. This is the plan CBC is operating by. And guys, I told you this wasn't going to be glorious and glamorous. This isn't your typical Sunday, but you need to know this. You need to know this. So we got a plan for retiring missionaries. 
Brother Dean did some great work on this. I said, Dean, can you contact our mission agencies? Can we, we need a plan because what we started finding was a lot of our missionaries were aging out. And guess what? Back in the day, they got some, some not so good counsel. I got the same counsel when I was in school and Bible college. Hey, you need to opt out of Social Security. Right? Government ain't going to take care of you. Take care of you. I mean, we all heard this. But as a pastor, you had that option. And so many people opted out. Not that that was necessarily a bad idea, but they opted out without a plan. And now we've got missionaries who are dependent upon your check to live. We've had missionaries, uh, a couple that's been in the hospital for two years and not been on the field. Now they're back now. But for a while they were in the hospital. We've got one who's been battling cancer, bless his heart, for as long as I've been here. He's not been able to fill a pulpit in probably ten years. We still support him. And let me just say about that one. He's, he, you want to talk about a testimony? This man has consistently and faithfully every month sent us a 10% tithe off of what we sent him. Never missed a beat. Who does that? That man does. And we continue to partner with him. Even though he's not been able to step into the pulpit, he's still ministering to us. So Dean came, he, he contacted these places, and we said, we need to encourage these missionaries, and the people we're taking on, they need to know how, an exit plan. Because I don't want to find 20 years from now when they come to retirement that they don't have a plan. And so if we can help the missionary by helping them think about an exit strategy, plus they know coming into our support, here's how we're going to support you, but here's what you need to be doing on your side of things. And so we've laid this out. And so we evaluate through contact, the personal finances, retirement plans invested in, financial status, the individual savings, investment, social security, mission board recommendations. What does your, re your recommendations from your board say? Ministry plans after returning home. Uh, represent the mission board. Do you do independent home missions? Do you consider approximately 20% uh, consider approximately twenty percent of amount of monthly support, depending on the circumstances? So I know this is kind of moving fast, but I want to get you out of here in just a couple minutes. In other words, do you have a plan? We want to help you with that. And so we have a paperwork that will go to these missionaries and they'll understand and they'll know and they'll think through these things. The mission support team coordinators. And again, if you want to be a part of the mission support team, we'll talk through some of this in more detail. Um, but we have our Minute for Missions announcement. Randy does that. Our Sunday school rotation, the idea is that we will begin a process where when you go into Sunday school class, the children, you'll have all your missionaries represented in your room. You can pray for them. You can put together uh, gift baskets, uh, our retired missionaries to, again, minister to them. And then, of course, operating our missions requires file. But, again, stuff we can, we can talk about. If you could pull back up the, uh, where I was in that sermon, please, brother, and we'll close out. I wanted to, again, just kind of... I hesitated to, to do that because I recognize I'm going to lose some people, and I, and I do, and I understand, and various reasons. But um, that's not, most of us don't come to church on Sunday morning to hear all that, that detail, right? I mean, so what does that have to do with me? I wanted something today from the Lord. Well, I hope you got something from the Lord. God does things decently and in order. In community, we need to make sure that the house in which God is entrusted to our watch care that we're doing in order. So how can I be a part? It starts with local missions. The local church is your first responsibility. If our doors close, no other ministry works. Priority one, local missions. Pray for your church. Pray for your leadership. 
Pray for your local outreach. Pray for one another. This is how you take part day to day. Share the gospel. Tracts, literature, invites. Live it. Live it. This is how you participate in the local mission. Serve in the local church with your spiritual giftedness. Get involved. If you're not involved in the ministries here, see a deacon, see a pastor, talk to us. We want to plug you in somehow, somewhere, some way. Give. Like Josh said this morning, hey guys, this ministry's uh, you know, uh, glad to offer it. Sausage, eggs, grits, pancakes. Oh, man. He said, but you know what? It costs. Guys, ministry costs. There's no way around it. And if God's gifted you, uh, and again, by the way, that's not, that's not, some people have the gift of giving, okay? But it's kind of like the gift of evangelism. Some people have the gift of evangelism. But the scripture puts responsibility on all of us to do both of those. Now, some of us, again, have a little better gifting towards it. And if you do, use it or lose it, as my seventh grade science teacher used to say when he come into the back. Anyway, that's another story. Um, but we all have the responsibility to give. Give consistently and regularly. So how can I be a part? Support foreign missions. Adopt a missionary to pray for. I want you to take out that piece of paper. This is your application. If everybody would pull that piece of paper out, that's in your bulletin. If you don't have one, please get one on your way out. And I want you to look at that. And on there you will see the opportunity, and I want you to check the boxes that apply. If you would like to adopt a missionary, what that means basically is we'll put you on an email list. You'll get a missionary's letter that we get every month. We'll send that to you. We'll forward that to you. So you can stay in direct contact if you choose, or if you just want to stay on top of things by just reading what's going on in their ministry and covet to pray for that missionary. On the back of that sheet, you'll see the different missionaries and where they represent. So if there's an area that, that you feel led to, like I, I really, you know, I feel a calling towards that ministry or I just would like to support that and know more about that, then check that one. You don't have to check just one. You can check multiple. Just read this piece of paper. You'll see it's pretty self-explanatory. And check the boxes that apply. You see our yearly need. You see our monthly need. You see our weekly need. I want you to pray about and think about that last box. I pledge in the total monthly amount of towards mission support. Now, that's a monthly amount. Guys, we operate on what's called faith promise here. All that means is this. You need to understand this. If you tuned out, tune in. I know I'm going a little over, but this is important information. Our general fund does not support our missionaries. That's separate, okay? Our missions fund is $25,000 a year, all right? Our giving should be above and beyond our general. Now, I say this often, and sometimes I think it falls on deaf ears. We don't rob Paul to pay Peter. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. Hmm, I give, let's just say, for number's sake, I give $100 a month. I didn't know my $100 isn't going to missions. So I'm going to take $20 of my $100, and now I'm going to give it to missions, and I'm only going to give $80 to general. 
you've just undercut the local mission for the foreign mission. You've robbed Paul to pay Peter. What we must do, and by the way, you're pastor and you know this, and I say it often and I'm going to say it again. Every single one of you have access to my giving because I'm never going to stand up here and ask you to do something me and my family is not doing. And if I do, you need to hold me accountable. You have access. My deacons know. If you want to look, ask. Could I see pastors giving? Look. And that's, again, to be transparent. Okay? Whatever you give to general, we're saying give above and beyond to missions. And faith promise says, I believe by faith, I'm going to... What amount do I think God will provide so that I can give for this? So I'm giving 100 here and I say, you know what? I'm going to trust God this year, $20 a month. I'm giving 100 to general, but I'm going to start giving 120. I'm going to mark 20 for missions and I'm going to give my 100 to the general. Now, I don't know where my 20 is going to come from. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I do. Maybe I'll cut out one Starbucks a week. Whew, I know that's, 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 that's hurtful, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. That's between you and God. But I just make this point that, guys, is separate. And so please understand that is separate. We adopt a missionary, pray for them. So please take time and fill that paper out. And if you would, um, if you got questions on it, talk to us, talk to, a, talk to a deacon. But fold that on your way out. Fold that, okay? And um, we need to know so we can send you your missionaries. Don't put, uh, and I know the names on that, and I guess we probably should have, anyway. Um, Again, guys, just whatever God will have you do. Um, give to missions regularly and consistently, faith promise. Volunteer to be a part of the mission support team. We need that help. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of work in that. If you'd like to be involved, we'd love to have you involved. Uh, support the annual missions conference by your presence. Guys, we had a great turnout last week, but i got to tell you from a pastor's heart, there was a little bit, and, and I don't mean, if, if you were out of town, you had a reason, what, I'm, not, I'm not trying to fault anybody. But here's what I'm going to try and do a better job of, of. Normally, normally, we give you a calendar after our meeting in November. And on that calendar, we're going to have hard dates for the whole next year. Would you please try to plan your vacations and other events around the major events of the local church? So that the local church has a priority because that sends a message to your family. That, that'll encourage your heart. It'll bless you. I call these the Super Bowls, the World Series, the, you know, the National Hockey League champion, what, you know, the Stanley Cup. Uh, these are the things of the church. Missions conference, homecoming, typically our apologetics conference. These are the big boys. This is the stuff that's going to give you some good food. And I'd love for you to be here and support that with your attendance. So... Um, be involved in both local and foreign missions, short-term mission trips. Again, you know what our need is. Pray about how you can be a part of that. Currently, in the past six months, this is what it looks like in our church. 28 families gave to missions. Five support missions inconsistently. 23 support missions regularly. 2016 and 17, we did a similar study, and the numbers are almost identical. We gained one regular support over that number from 2016-17.
We had 67 families giving back then. I don't know what our current number is on how many giving units we have in the church, but then we had 67 giving units, and this is less than half of the church supports missions. Do what God will have you do, because this is His plan. This is His work, and it's important work to take part in. Adopt a missionary. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I pray that they will do this, uh, Lord, before you. Again, uh, all, all I've, you've asked me to share this information. I've shared it. I know for some it may not seem uh, a typical Sunday morning message. It may not seem to some, Lord, that it's uh, um, that important, but it is. It's your heartbeat uh, to share the gospel locally and foreign, Lord, around the world. Show us what you'd have us do. Put on our heart how we can respond. Lord, I'm excited about the future of CBC. I'm excited about the opportunity locally that you're providing for us. You're opening that door. You're leading the way. And I pray we will faithfully follow. But I also recognize that we've got foreign missionaries that must be maintained and supported and cared for. Lord, let us do so and let us do so in a manner that will honor and glorify your name. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for the visitors. Thank you for uh, folks who uh, consistently and faithfully prayed for our missionaries, prayed for uh, the local church ministries. Lord, may we continue to do so. And Lord, thank you for the grace, for the extra time today. But again, this information uh, I know is, is what you would have me to have shared. Lord, go with us now as we step into the world. May we remember to be seed sowers. And may we spread that seed plentifully, bountifully for the cause of Christ, trusting you for the increase. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being gracious this morning on that time. Um, don't forget, short meeting, as we're just looking at financials. I think we only got about five minutes on this meeting this morning. You are dismissed.